Welcome, Fellowship Fayetteville, back to our Sermon Notes podcast. I'm Clark, and uh, I've got Michael Smith with me today. Hey. Michael, we um, have a passage this week that's fascinating, um, and uh, the heart of it deals contentment and money and all kinds of stuff that I think we all struggle with. Yeah, it's been super convicting to study it for (laughs) the past few weeks. I bet it has been. And so as you look at, um, if you're using your guide and listening to this right now um, in week nine, uh, the way this is broken down, Michael, is a little bit choppy. We've got verses three through 10 and then 17 to 19. And so if you could give us an overview of those, um, those passages, what would it be? Yeah, I appreciate the fact that our as our team was putting this study together, they recognized that 17 through 19, Paul returns to a theme that he had touched on earlier in the chapter. And so they thematically grouped these, even though we're not reading straight through the passage as we normally would. He starts off revisiting again these false teachers. And hmm. he talks about how they have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels, that there's friction, they have a corrupt mind. And then he has a key phrase at the end of verse five. He says, they think that godliness is a means of financial gain. And we don't have to look far in our culture to see people who are either teaching that uh, the Bible following Jesus is going to make you wealthy or uh, people who are believing that either overtly or subtly, that if I'm a good Christian, God will bless me materially. And Paul is going to totally blow that up. And in verse 6, he says, godliness with contentment, is great gain. And so he flips the idea. It's not financial gain. It's a spiritual gain that comes through contentment with godliness. And then he goes on to kind of unpack that. Um, He talks about how money uh, can, can be deceiving and it can be a trap. And then skipping down to 17, he talks about how people who are rich are to handle that and how they should live their lives in view of the gospel um, using their money to do good rather than letting their money be their God. Yeah, that's that's very well said, Michael. And, you know, there's this statement that we've heard a lot of times that money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is, is that what it's teaching here? Yeah, we've probably all heard that our whole life. Money's the root of all evil. The Bible says that. Well, that's not what the Bible says, and that's a subtle but dangerous distortion of what the Bible says. In verse 10, what Paul actually writes to Timothy is, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Then he says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so it's not that money itself is the singular root of every bad thing that's ever happened, um, which is what the, the way people rephrase it would make it sound. But instead, what he says is it's the love of money is a root. And so People who um, are overly uh, concerned with money, people who money motivates their very thought, their their every thought and their every action, uh, man, they're putting themselves at risk that that could become a root of all kinds of evil because that love of money can lead to stealing, it can lead to covetousness, jealousy, and we all know that people have done things they never thought they would do because they become so motivated by making that extra dollar. And he actually says, some of these people who are eager for money, they've wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so what they end up with is the thing that they thought would give them pleasure. Mm. More, more, more money, things, possessions, it's actually ended up piercing them with grief. 
they regret the fact that they pursued money over all else, but in the end, they're saddened. Yeah, no doubt. It, it expense not only of contentment in the Lord, but also of relationships. That's right. That were meaningful to them. Yeah. Um, so, Michael, I think we got to recognize this at least, that at least in our time and place uh, where we are in northwest Arkansas, um, we many of us have access to money and some more wealth than others. Right. And uh, while we have all kinds of socioeconomic levels, even in our own city here in Fayetteville, um, you know, a lot of the, the folks that we interact with, they have access to wealth um, that they can use to for their own gain or they yeah. can use to bless others. What do we learn here about people that have money and what Paul says about them? Yeah, if we jump down to 17, he says, command those who are rich in this present world. And so right away, we think to ourselves, who's he talking to? Who's he talking about? And the truth is, in Ephesus, it was probably pretty clear. Um, You mentioned in last week's podcast, maybe a third of the population was enslaved. And so we know a third of the people definitely wouldn't have said, oh, yeah, I'm rich. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't even own their own freedom. And then you have a large lower class in ancient society. And so um, probably another, on top of that 30% who were enslaved, you probably had another um, 50 to 60% that were um, barely getting by. They were just making it week to week. And then you yeah. had a small 10% or so who controlled the wealth and yeah. the upper class, government officials, people who own businesses, that kind of thing. And so for them, um, it was probably pretty clear. I think in our current context, most of us think that the rich are the people who have a little bit more than we do. Most of us probably don't wake up and think, man, I'm rich. Um, We think if I had this, that, or the other, if I had a little bit more, maybe I would think I was rich. Um, But the fact is, when we look around the world, all of us who live in Northwest Arkansas would be considered rich because most of us have a home. Most of us have clothing. Most of us aren't worried about our next meal. Um, yeah. Some are, and and our heart goes out to those people, and we want to serve and love those people as we're going to see in the passage. But the vast majority of the people who call Fellowship Fayetteville home would be considered rich by most standards. And so yeah. this command is to us because um, he says, don't be arrogant and don't put your hope in your wealth because it's uncertain. Put your hope in God. And I think yeah. we all know stories of people who went to bed rich and woke up poor. Um, there's tons tons of examples of that, and mm-hmm. we may even have people in our world, and maybe some of our listeners have experienced that. Um, it's uncertain, but what's certain is God who richly provides us with everything. And then that final phrase, I think, is critical for our enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And so we're not to feel guilty about the fact that God has blessed us with things, but we're to avoid putting our hope in those things and feeling confident that we'll be able to take care of ourselves because we've surrounded ourselves with things. The Bible warns us over and over. The only person in the whole Bible that God calls a fool is the rich man mm-hmm. who says, I'm going to build bigger barns. Yeah. Um, Jesus says, you fool. Tonight your soul is demanded of you. And so he was trusting in his wealth. And mm-hmm. then in verse 18, he says, here's what we should do. We should do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. So if we hold our wealth 
whether it's large or small, loosely, and we're willing to share, we're, re- we're ready to give, and we consider all the things we have as belonging to God. Uh, he says in verse 19, we're going to be laying up treasures for ourselves. It's an investment in our eternal mm. future, our heavenly future. And then I love the end of the passage, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I think, man, to truly live is to not let possessions own us, but to see those possessions as a way to bless others yeah. and to extend the kingdom of God and to give God just the, 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 the welcome mat to take whatever belongs to us and use it for his glory, mm. Paul says, man, that's going to be truly living. And I think we can look around and see people at our church who do that well, and man, they seem like some of the happiest people that we yeah. know. Yeah, they seem to have figured out that when you make God's gift a God, you can't enjoy your possessions. That's right. But when you see them as gifts from God to steward or to bless others, that's when you actually end up enjoying what he's given you. That's right. And so we've got some great examples here at Fellowship about that. Hey, Michael, I thought this was an interesting question. Um, Why did Jesus tell the rich young ruler to sell all that he had, but for whatever reason, this is a different kind of answer here. Right. Um, He acknowledges the rich. And um, he doesn't tell him to get rid of it, but to do something else with it. You just walked us through. You need to bless others with it. Yeah. Be thankful for it. Enjoy it. Um, not find your contentment or hope in it. What's going on here? Yeah, it is interesting. And I've done some some thinking on that. And it, it definitely seems like in both cases, Paul and Jesus are going to the heart. And so the rich young ruler's question was, uh, what else do I have to do to be right before God? And Jesus gave him a response that he knew that the young man wouldn't do. He said, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and follow me. And the, the rich young ruler, it says, went away sad because he had so much. And Jesus knew that his possessions, his money, in effect, um, had a grip on his heart, which is what Jesus was after, his heart. Yeah. And I feel like Paul's after the same thing here. Um, he says, don't trust in your riches, but instead be rich in good deeds. I think in both cases, um, Jesus with the rich young ruler and Paul with the, the wealthy people in Ephesus, it was the heart that they were after. The issues never the money, the issue's never the bank balance or what your mutual fund yeah. statement says or how big your house is. It's where's your heart? And are you holding all that loosely before God and finding your hope in Him rather than in the things that you have? And man, it would break my heart to think that anybody at Fellowship Fayetteville would go away sad like the rich young ruler rather than saying, no, I want to give, I want to hold all this loosely and give it back to God and let Him use it however He wants to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Michael, we we actually didn't talk about this before we sat down today, but I, I was just thinking about the time of the year that we're entering into, and this is a time of the year where we partner with a lot of organizations. That's right. And we try to encourage our members and our church to be generous with what God's blessed them with. And so, you know, I'm thinking about, about our Loving Choices Baby Bottle campaign that yep. we've been encouraging people to participate in. We're uh, launching Operation Christmas Child during this time of the year. That's right. We're going to be partnering... Um, with some men in our church to uh, be a part of South Church uh, tent and sleeping bag drive. Yeah. Um, the gift's coming. Yep. We're going to be ringing the bell for Salvation Army. That's right. Um, through our community ministry initiatives. And so just a lot of tangible ways, along with what we talked about a few weeks ago, trying to identify even widows in our community. And so it feels like there's all kinds of application opportunity for us. But 
What would be your just big takeaway um, as we try to apply this? Oh, you nailed it. And that is that, and, you know, I know the idea of sermon notes is here's some things that didn't make it into the sermon. Well, these are things that are in the sermon. But um, there's two groups of people who struggle with money and what it does to you. People who don't have money and people who do. And so whether you don't have money and you strongly desire it, which is who he's talking to in, in 6 through 10, or you have money and you're battling not trusting in that and not making that your God, that's 17 through 19, the answer is the same, which is to, to live with your palms open and let God take what he wants to. Um, and so I did just a little, put the little back of the envelope math on this, um, filling up an Operation Christmas Child box, it's about 25 bucks. And um, a 35-degree sleeping bag at Walmart or wherever you want to shop. This is not a commercial. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just checked their price. It's about 25 bucks. And a two-man tent, it's about 25 bucks. And so mm. most of us, most of us could come up with $20, $25 to bless somebody else in Jesus' name. And those of us in our body who could do a lot more, then this passage would say, then do a lot more. Uh, but, yeah. but it... It, you don't have to have a lot to be a big blessing. Again, it's more about the heart. So I think the takeaway from this would be, um, am I spending my time and my my uh, possessions and money looking for ways to bless others, or am I just trying to manage the blessing that God's already given me and trying to make sure that I, I hold on tightly to all my stuff? Yeah. Uh, because I think once we let go of it with our hands and with our heart, um, man, we're the ones who are blessed in the end. And if you've ever tracked one of those Operation Christmas Child boxes and imagined that child getting that box wherever they are in the world mm-hmm. and being blessed by those $20 worth of things that we picked up and put in there, uh, man, that's a blessing for the one who gives it as well as the one who receives yeah. it. In some ways, he gives us our life back. We get to experience abundant life through generosity. And so we take hold of the life that's truly life, yeah, he says. that's right. Well, Michael, hey, thanks so much for being with us. Um, it's been, a, uh, I was going to say, a rich time. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. I like it. Um, but it's been great um, working on sermon notes in First uh, Timothy together. And uh, hey, I look forward to our next time together. Uh, we'll see you next time on Sermon Notes.